Welcome to the first episode of BAI Communications Smart Communities podcast, where we speak with business leaders and industry experts to ask them what the future holds for connectivity. In this episode, we're excited to be joined by Regis Professor Rahim Tafazoli, founder and director of the ICS 5G Innovation Centre, as well as the new 6G Innovation Centre, which is the largest ICT academic institute in Europe. Interviewing him is BAI's Group Chief Technology Officer, Brendan O'Reilly, talking about the future of private networks and what they mean for businesses as technology advances. Hello and welcome to the BAI Communications Smart Communities podcast. I'm Brendan O'Reilly. I'm the Group Chief Technology Officer for BAI. And joining me today is Professor Raheem Tafazoli, uh, the Founder and Director of the 5G and 6G Innovation Centres and head of the Institute for Communication Systems at the University of Surrey and a long-time uh, associate and friend of mine. So, uh, welcome Raheem. Thank you, Brendan. Uh, thanks very much for inviting me. Thanks. So, Raheem, I, you know, I, I think you know uh, BAI, um, you know, we're a, a global company, but recently have, have won the wonderful opportunity to build the digital backbone for London with uh, TFL, our partner. and. Um, one of the things that we're really interested in at the moment, and it's quite a buzzword around the industry, is, is, is private networks. So really just wanted to get your view on which sort of segments of the market do you see really embracing private networks and why? Um, private network has been around even 4G. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that it gathered momentum and uh, recognized its role with, with 5G especially with the non-telecom industries. Uh, non-telecom industry that they want to modernize their own services, their own uh, connectivity uh, with wirelessly. And 5G and 4G provide that wireless connectivity and reliability and low latency. And uh, not only would enable communication uh, between objects or devices or people, but also it enables the integration between IT as well as the communication and uh, streamline, streamline the whole infrastructure for mainly non-telecom uh, sectors. And it is more about business-to-business model rather than business-to-consumer sort of mm. model. It is exciting and uh, it will flourish for uh, over many years to come. Uh, and the more people or other industries that realize the potential of the private network or neutral network, I believe that it will um, accelerate the deployment in many sectors to come. Yeah, I, I think the point you make about private networks being really where the world of technology, telecoms technology and IT come together to create value for businesses is exactly what excites the industry and why it's such a buzzword. But you, you touched on it already, but we've had private networks for years, right? You know, a, a Wi-Fi network in an office could be dubbed a, a, a private network. But as we evolve, how do you see the role between cellular, whether that be 4G, 5G, 6G uh, in, in time to come and Wi-Fi? How do you see that working? Do you see one winning over the other? Yeah, I don't think it will be one winning the other over the other. It will be a combination of different access technologies to suit a certain requirements of a specific sector. Um, 
I talked to many non-telecom, let's call it non-telecom uh, yeah. companies that are interested <laughs> in the world, you mean, Reddin, the world. <laughs> <laughs> which are collectively they are normally referred to as industry 4.0. It's quite fascinating to, to see the range of requirements that they have and uh, in terms of the application, in terms of the, the businesses that are involved. So some of them, most of them, probably it can, uh, the requirements can be satisfied with 4G and Wi-Fi. Mm. And some uh, sectors, when they, re they need uh, low latency, and high reliability of connectivity, uh, then they need 5G. So, in my opinion, is a combination of different access technologies, and uh, BNR communication has that flexibility to provide a solution based on the specific se sector requirements. And more importantly, some companies they say that it is uh, the security is very important, and resilience of the network is very important. And uh, uh, and that can be provided with 5G, 4G, but not so much with Wi-Fi. But Wi-Fi provides that connectivity for certain applications. No, I, I, I think you're right. I think that it will be a combination. And again, that's where, as an industry, we can sometimes get carried away. You know, we're, we're so excited about the technology. And you mentioned the requirements, and I think that's a really interesting point. Is there is there a bit? Is there a risk that as an industry we overpromise of what private networks can do because the scope can be so big and we're so excited about it? And and if there is, how do we how do we not make that mistake? Because as an industry, we've done it before, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, is um, I think the reality comes to uh, what what you will uh, you will witness and what uh, your company will offer to to these vertical sectors. Uh, I believe that most of these vertical industries, they yet need to be educated with the importance of mm. the wireless connectivity with 4G and standardize, standardize yes. uh, uh, connectivity because of the return on investment for a standardized telecom solution is much faster uh, and uh, because it's a global standard. And uh, and I I think that period of, of educating and demonstrating the value of the 5G, 4G, or different combination of this uh, technology, it would be extremely important and essential for a company like BAI to demonstrate that one to uh, end con uh, consumer or co uh, customer. And. Uh, and I think we need to be a little bit patient because, for example, in 5G, there is a huge uh, and important characteristics yet to be standardized and the products will be developed. But it is very interesting in parallel with 5G and 4G standards and evolution of this technology, we are tending to go to, towards more open architectures, like open RAM. And mm. I believe that we will have open uh, core network, open service platform that would enable many industry and ecosystem to get engaged and providing different parts and different solutions for the network. So I would say that this is quite interesting. 
we always need to start with some hype. We set the target very high. We're good at the hype. Yeah. It is about setting high targets and achieving 80% or 90% of that. I think that's fine. That's fine. I think as long as we recognize this one, that's, that should be fine. No, I'm, I'm ambition is really important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think this uh, is exciting uh, because, for example, in 5G, with, uh, what it brought into the technology is for telecom. How do we guarantee low delay? And yeah. It's never been done before. It's never been a parameter of importance before. And that opens up many opportunities for mission-critical applications uh, that is time-sensitive. And it has to be high reliability, probably 99.999% or five nines. Uh, and that, we don't have that yet, the technology, but it is evolving through the standards. And I believe for the next five, six years, we will have that um, solutions available. Yeah, it's a different type of reliability, isn't it, Raheem? If you, if you think about it, you know, from a consumer point of view, reliable was... I need my call to get through, or I need my message to get through, or I need to find this piece of data, you know, and that's what was important. But from a from an enterprise and an industry uh, viewpoint, reliability also comes with that uh, parameter of latency, and you know, it needs to get there in a certain amount of time because it is mission critical. And I think you know that that ninety nine point nine 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 aspect is is scaring CTOs and COOs around the world. I think, but it's a uh, it's another fantastic challenge for us to face. I think what one thing I'd really love your, your view on is, um, how do you see the role of neutral host players developing when it comes to private networks? Because you know, for so long, it's been very operator-centric or, or vendor-centric. Um, but obviously, as we move through and the cost of these networks is, is increasing, you know, for companies in the UK, for the operators in the UK, this is their fifth iteration of, of upgrades, you know, um, how do, how do you see the role of neutral host developing uh, in the private network space? The bottom line is how to minimize the cost, cost of the capital cost and cost of mm -hmm. the operation. And neutral host tick that box. I mean, that is very important. And uh, by sharing the cost and by sharing the, uh, the not only the capital cost, but also operational cost of the, mm -hmm. the network. And this is a fantastic strategy to go forward, especially when we are talking about different companies of small scale and the large scale companies. They need different solutions. And that gives you another degree of freedom to customize the network uh, based on the neutral network uh, hosting or neutral private uh, networks to customize that for um, for a specific um, sector or, or cost, customer. And I think it go hand in hand, they are not conflicting with each other, but they are complementing neutral networks and private networks with each other. And in terms of uh, being a cellular uh, centric so far, uh, I believe in the future we will not have everything as extension of the cellular network, but we will have huge number of private networks which is operated locally by the by the organization and the companies which is um, uh, interested in uh, in that 
services. Uh, and uh, we will see many, many um, small and large operators of the network. Uh, and we have cellular networks, which is mainly the national networks, and we have many regional networks, which is the local networks um, uh, operated by the uh, mobile uh, uh, private networks or neutral hosts. With 2030 in mind, you know, we're, we're what, nine years away from that now. Um, and, you know, with the vision for 6G, which you've mentioned is a big part of the work that you're looking now, what will be the future innovations in private networks for, you know, private enterprise for some of the segments that you've talked about now? What are you seeing come down the track that we should start to begin thinking about now as, as deliverers of this technology? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and we had the debate and discussion with our industrial members of the 5GIC and, and we say 5G is a fantastic technology. It's very rich in terms of the capability. What can we do that is beyond 5G capability? And we spent more than nine months debating and discussing the, the ideas. So what distinguishing factor that differentiated 5G from 4G, as we discussed before, is a guaranteeing low latency, which opens up whole raft of new applications and reliability, uh, as well as mass connectivity. It's more about connecting machines, right, than just, the, just people uh, as well. So we wanted to come up with some idea which differentiates 6G from 5G. It, when I say differentiate, it doesn't mean that it is a revolutionary approach we need to abandon 5G. It will be an evolution of what 5G capability is. We said that video is going to be de facto media for communication, whether it's machines or people. If you look at what we have been transmitting since 2G, 1G, uh, is two of the human senses. The hearing and seeing. So another factor we saw that we need to transmit to complement the video is probably other human senses. Uh, one of them is touch. Yeah. Another one is the ambient information about the person to make the communication more smarter and more relevant to that particular case. And when we talked about all these um, aspects, we thought that what is the 5G cannot do? And we realized that time synchronization is, is it yeah. was never part of the 5G design. Uh, so if you look at things film like Kingsman, you'll see mm -hmm. a number of people sitting around the table and they're interacting with each other. And that time synchronization together with the ambient information and the human senses and etc., is will enable interactivity between physical and virtual world, which is, and that requires time synchronization. Mm. And uh, I believe that 6G will enhance, will take completely all the use cases for 5G to complete a new level. So you can interact uh, in between virtual world and physical world.
An example I normally give is, imagine your GP, your doctor practitioner is appears in form of virtual reality in, in a patient's home. And yeah. then the patient and the doctor can interact with the patient. He can touch the forehead. He can hold the hand and feel the temperature and gives that more natural interactions. Uh, and that is a combination of the low latency, reliability, and time synchronization. So I guess that in 2030 plus, we'll see huge raft of rich use cases and, uh, and the business cases. Uh, and that is based on evolution of the 5G technology into what we call 6G. That's fantastic. Raheem, you always find a way of uh, making very complex things simple. And I think the idea, you know, after the last 18 months, you know, as a, as a community, a worldwide community, video has become so important, you know, as you said, and you can only see that growing, not just for us as, as humans, but the way that video will interact with machines, et cetera. But the idea of, of, of looking back and saying, you know, our industry has focused on human senses and it will be human senses that allow us to evolve, uh, I think will really help non-technical people um, understand where we're heading for. And, you know, it seems, a, it seems a long way out, right? Everything seems a long way out, but as an industry, we continue to, to deliver. It's a fantastic way of, of putting it. Raheem, thank you, as always. Um, a really great conversation with you. Um, thanks for joining us on our podcast, and hopefully, um, I can I can convince you to to come back in a few months' time, and we might be able to do one face to face and talk about some of the work that's happening in London, and you know how smart communities are developing across the world. Brendan, thanks very much for inviting me. Uh, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. And face to face meetings, I welcome that. <laughs> I hope we can have that one as soon as possible. Completely agree. Thanks, Rene. Thanks, Brendan. Have a good day.